Welcome to the Jay and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. Listening to Che Cheney and Pav Wanda, also known as Jim Guy and Wonder Woman. Welcome to the staff room, a half hour to engage in some meaningful conversation about some of the topics we think are pertinent and relevant to our day to day teaching experience. The Staff Room Podcast episodes are hosted by Voice Ed Radio Weekly on Tuesday mornings. And on Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern, we host The Drive, an educational morning radio show filled with great chatter and amazing music. Check out The Staff Room on the School Rubric website, where our origin story and weekly articles are posted, and our podcast can also be heard. We are also on the On Podcast Media Network and are connected to an amazing group of educators who have come together to form the Education Never Dies team. You can find us all on Twitter. Check out our link tree on our Twitter handle, at Staff Podcast, for more information about us. All right, so let's get right into episode 34 today. And today we are going to be talking about perseverance or resiliency and how everybody, all the stakeholders and all of our distance learning that's happening right now are having to exhibit a little bit more perseverance and resiliency in in our online experience, in our learning experience right now. So um, before we get started with this episode, I'm going to take a little bit of time to introduce ourselves. So you're listening to Che and Pav of the Staff Room Podcast, and I am Pav, and I make up half of the hosting team. I sometimes go by Wonder Woman, and my co-host is sitting next to me, and his name is Che, and he usually introduces himself. It's the Staff Room Podcast, and they're great! (laughs) I just maximized the thousands of dollars worth of tech gear we bought by pushing that one blue button. It gave me that ba-bum, ding. I guess I could have done it myself for free, but why do it for free when you spend $1,000 and do it? <laughs> That's right. I, I especially love that you explained <laughs> the whole use. Like, everybody doesn't already know what that little rim shot means. <laughs> yeah, I'm a gym guy. Like, this is a little outside my comfy zone. <laughs> if you're a net and a volleyball, I got you. So Che pushed the blue button. So thank you, Che, for pushing the blue button on I, the roadcaster. Che Hurricane Cheney pushes a lot of buttons. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> but let's get back into the... No, no, I'm having fun talking about nonsense. Yeah, that's right. Everybody listens to us to listen to the nonsense. Absolutely not. They love teachers talking about teaching. Yes, that's right. And that's what we're here to do. And so today, 
Uh, we are extending our talk from the drive this morning, our Friday morning radio show that we host at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice Ed Radio. And uh, this morning we had a really great conversation. And often, as as we do on Friday mornings, we start with a very basic idea. And over the course of the hour, uh, compounded with the people that we interact with live on Twitter... Um, you know, that, that basic and simple topic that we, we sort of develop a theme from at the beginning of the episode, it develops and it develops and it develops. And we, we learn more from our own topic, which is so interesting and it evolves over time. And sometimes there's so much that comes from that, that we feel like we reflect over, over the course of the hour and the little bit of time in between before we start recording our podcast episode. And we feel like that content dribbles over and we feel like there's more to talk about. And that was the case again today. So we, we discussed perseverance and resiliency. Uh, don't call it a comeback from our last Friday's episode. And and we felt like we had a little bit more to say. We did. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. <laughs> that's, that's processing time. And yes. Uh, yes, I am Jay Hurricane Cheney, one part of the dynamic duo that makes the Staff Room Podcast. And we are here to talk about perseverance. Mm -hmm. So let's persevere through this episode. One thing we want to talk about or get into the idea is, you know, how are teachers persevering through this new remote learning? And, and it doesn't even have to be through remote learning, but how do we persevere through the obstacles that get in the way of what we're trying to achieve, which is trying to create rich, engaged learning opportunities for our students? And certainly in today's new world, we have been thrust upon all kinds of obstacles that we have to work around and try to get around in terms of remote learning and, and learning how to use apps and learning how to use web-based resources and trying to then learn how to do things remotely and then actually work away from the computer screen so students aren't just constantly sitting at their screens. These are big things to work over. These are big things to persevere through. And it's very easy to get yourself sidetracked, side frustrated, moving slowly and, 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 you know, not feeling really good uh, about your progress, your social emotional, you start to dip because you just don't feel you're making the gains you want to make. We're not having the flow we once had when we were in our classrooms. Teachers are experts. Mm -hmm. They teach really well. They know how to function in their spaces. They say, oh, you're not changing very much. You know what? Maybe I don't need to change too much. Maybe I actually really know what I'm doing. Maybe as an educator in my space, I actually create rich learning opportunities. So when everything is shifted on me, I need to per persevere through that because there's a, a reason I was teaching in a certain style with a great flow and getting great learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, and, you know, I'm big on imagery. And as you're talking, Che, I often uh, imagine things. I, I develop pictures in my mind to sort of represent some of the things that you're talking about. And as you're, as you're talking about those experiences, about what teachers have in their classrooms, I'm thinking about the peaks and the valleys and the plateaus. And so I'm, I'm actually envisioning the way that teachers teach in their physical classrooms. And yes, we all have ups and downs in our classrooms, but most of the time we maintain that plateau. And so we're cruising along very nicely. And sometimes we'll have a great day where all of the learning is thriving and everybody's connecting and everybody is doing great. And then we'll have a few of those valleys. And then distance learning hit and then we hit a deep valley. And that valley has been very difficult for us to climb out of. And, uh, and, and that, I think, is something that many educators, many teachers have been really pulling hard 
to to climb out of that dip, out of that valley. And and a lot of the time, as we've as we've been going up, and we have been going up, we have been climbing that mountain, we've we've encountered a few more dips along the way. And even though we are collectively as a team of teachers, as a team of educators, the education field in general is still continuing to thrive and do well, but we are recovering from that dip, that big valley. And oftentimes that requires quite a bit of resiliency. We have to get through a lot of obstacles in order to get back up to that plateau where we were feeling comfortable as educators, comfortable teaching our students and maintaining those uh, relationships and connections that we had worked so hard to build at one point. You know what? I feel like I have persevered. There, I've made lots of changes. I've made lots of pivots in my teaching programming and planning and execution, but I also feel that I'm still stuck behind some. You know, we joke that I'm the gym guy and, and when I'm trying to think about how have I constructed any sort of meaningful, impactful gym, that's been a struggle for me. I'm used to coaching your teams, connecting the extracurricular with what you're doing in your classes, building those skill sets. I don't feel like I'm anywhere near that. That's that's something I need to persevere over. How am I going to teach a much better remote gym program when you're used to you being in the gym, the physicality of gym, and then expanding your gym classes to be extracurricular and your extracurricular becomes so specific and so focused on your skills and, and you're building up to tournaments and playing teams and games and all of that's not there. I don't feel like an effective gym teacher in the remote universe. I don't. I don't feel too bad in, in my English class. I feel some growth, personal growth uh, in regards to how I'm teaching. So when I think about how am I persevering, you can think about how you're persevering because I'm going to drop this over to you in a second. But if I'm <laughs> doing my anecdotally, I've been very pleased with how I've adapted to the Google Suites. And I'm a pretty tech-savvy person, but I'm very innovative innovative in my tech. I wasn't necessarily just using all the Google Suites programs and maximizing them. I would be using different apps on my phone. I'd be experimenting. I'm very much experiment. I love to experiment. But when we came to our remote learning and we became a little detail-oriented, a little focused, it became a, a good focus for us on Google Suites. I needed to, to learn that. For a tech guy, where well, I'm very comfortable in tech, I wasn't very comfortable in that realm. And so maximizing my Google Classroom, learning Screencastify, that was something when I saw you, I said, whoa, 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 what is this? What is this that you're doing? Let me have a go at that. Please show me how to do this. Please let me able to make better lessons for my class by being able to maximize that skill. So when I think about perseverance for me, I've really persevered through Inbating myself in the Google Suites, asking for the supports, which we'll come to later, so valuable to have supports, asking supports, watching people use things, and then embedding that back into my, my planning, my programming. And I like that growth. As for physical education, I don't feel like I've anywhere near teaching a physical education program that anywhere near resembles what I was doing mm -hmm. in the gym. But then I also wonder, what are my markers for success? Because if I go to my class anecdotally, I you know, I could pick two or three that have is if I, as, as, as I have persevered and delivering a better program and have better lessons, am I getting better output from my students? And I could go anecdotally and tell you, oh, I've had two or three students that have excelled. I've had one or two students that didn't do well in the classroom that are excelling. But to a whole, my class is underperforming. Sort of, you know, the middle of the pack, which is, of course is the biggest percentage of your class, 
that type of productivity from my class, I found the biggest dip. I have one or two overachievers, which I was going to have regardless. And in, in, any teacher would have that. You always have that overachiever. I've had the one or two anecdotal stories that I'd love to bring back and say, these are students that struggled in the room that are progressing. But the majority of my class is not producing at a high level. They're not as engaged as I want to be. They don't produce as much as I want to be. It's not that they're not there, although consistent participation is also a factor. But are they fully engaged? Am I getting quality work? And if I use that as the assessment piece for me, I could still be perceived that I have to persevere because as much as I'm improving, I don't necessarily feel that my class and the work being produced is improving to match it, to sort of validate it. Yeah, you you touched on so many big things there. Um, I, went, you know, starting- I went for a long time, eh? <laughs> so I took a little nap in you there. You should have pushed that blue button and ba-bum-bum-ching! <laughs> No, I mean, once we get going on a particular topic, sometimes it's difficult to stop because our our mind starts flowing about all the different things. Let me go back to the teacher part first, because we jumped from teachers to students. Um, And, you know, talking about teachers and how we are persevering with our own uh, teaching and with our own instruction, it is very important to consider so many different things. We touched on sort of the the whole idea that, you know, we hit the crisis bump, and then we talked about all of the different resources that are available to us and and sometimes becoming a little bit more, um, you know, better with using some some uh, resources that we perhaps weren't using before and now are available to us. In regards to myself, I know that Jim has been a bit of a cha- challenge for you, um, and I can see how that that's possible because you're you're used to being in a particular space and using the things that are available to you in that particular space. Um, I know that this is the case for a lot of different subject areas. Music is definitely one of them because if you are not physically in front of your students, it's difficult to teach music, drama, um, dance, you know, all of the, the visual arts, uh, these are, the arts are very difficult. Anything where you feel like you need to be a little bit more physical, uh, to demonstrate things. I've experienced this with science as well. I mean, science is, I would say, you know, 30% book learning and 70% practical. And so having the hands-on materials, you know, doing the hands-on activities, this is difficult. And we can always, you know, direct our students towards things, uh, different resources that are out there, like, um, like YouTube, you know, Hey guys, watch this YouTube video on this experiment and maybe try it at home. But without you being there in front of students to be able to see their aha moments, it takes a little bit of that spark out of the entire activity, you know? We're not actually there to witness it. We're not there to see their proud moments of when they achieve it. And so, you know, part of what I always go back to, something that has been something that I'm persevering through and showing resiliency towards is is the social-emotional aspect. And we'll get into how that affects students as well. But for the teachers, this has been big because teachers really thrive on the feedback that they receive from their students on what the learning looks like. And so because we're not able to really see that in our students, to really see it, I mean, we can hear about it. We can see them talk about it. We can even Zoom about it and Google Meet about it. But without us actually being in the room to see, you know, when the student goes from not understanding to understanding, from not applying to applying, that is such a big thing that we are missing out on. And I know for myself, that has been something that I have been trying to work through. 
So even from the teacher perspective, there are lots of different places to be resilient and things to persevere through. And I think that social emotional piece is a big one that we need to really consider because many teachers are struggling through that. But you said so many great things. Uh, the thing I get fixated on is the idea of what can be our look for when we're trying to persevere through something. So when I brought up students, we know students have their own things they need to persevere through. But in regards to me as the teacher, like that's one of my natural look for is to mm-hmm. know if I'm getting through something, if I'm connecting. And although internally I know I am more in tune with applications, I'm more in tune with how to create a better lesson, I immediately just say, well, then if I teach a better lesson, I'm going to get better results from my students. And I not necessarily, I didn't necessarily get that. Not that I'm getting poor results. You commented, I've had, still had my Google Meets and they've still been positive. Yeah. But having been in the classroom for 20 years, I know the work being given back to me, even if it's positive, even if it's not the same quality. So although I am improving, I am persevering through my own sort of obstacles to get through in this remote universe, I look for, when you talk about that social emotional, I need that validation. Yeah. I need to know what the changes I'm making are impacting. And I am not seeing the sweeping better results from my students that I want to see based on to know that I'm making big pivot changes in, in how I'm delivering material. And sometimes we often get fixated on trivial look fors or we look for linear growth and everything is is actually just a pretty mess yeah it's a pretty mess and it's not that i'm not teaching better or not getting better learning opportunities to my students i have made those improvements but where do i see the validation that when i feel like i'm getting through it where do i feel i can keep moving forward how do i feel i've made the right gains when the one thing I look for right away is student engagement, quality of work, and it's not immediately there. Right. And, and that feedback loop is, is key, is key. So you're, you're absolutely right that, you know, we have to rely, we often do rely on the students and their performance to gauge whether or not our education or our educating to our students is, is effective or not. And so we're not getting that. We're not getting that on the same level, definitely. Um, you know, students can present work, but then we have to, we have to gauge whether, you know, did that work occur solely on their own? What were the different resources that we're using? So much of the work that we provide for our students is easy to get answers for online. And so, you know, is it the same sort of engagement? No, it's not. But how are we going to then further persevere and further show our resiliency to develop our lessons a little bit further to maybe, to maybe be more indicative of whether or not students are engaging and learning. So that evolution process is something that we have to really look at as well in order to persevere through. It's tough to move forward when you don't get appreciation and validation. And it's not mm-hmm. that you look for it, but those are those are the cues we look for to know that we're hitting our marks, we're doing the right things. Yeah, absolutely. So I think when we should probably break off for three enlightened minutes. And then we come back and when we talk about perseverance, let's Let's come up with some solutions. Yes. It's great to hear that we've really been authentic and addressed where we've persevered through things. We've also talked about things that we don't feel we're getting through yet. And then let's talk about, you know, what are some clear goals we can set, goals being one of them? How do we address perseverance? How do we keep ourselves taking the next step, being the compass, moving forward in the right direction, and not necessarily stopping our progress because maybe we don't get the the little look-fors we're looking for to say we're, we're moving right. We have to, you know, be confident that we are moving in the right direction. So when we come back, let's give some steps on how we can push forward with our per- perseverance and, you know, don't call it a comeback. 
I love it. All right, let's, we'll look at some strategies really soon. So first for our three enlightened minutes today, we have Amy Valentine, who is from Colorado, and she is going to be talking about the initiative that she works with is Future of Schools. And what they do is they try to increase access for teachers and students for their innovative practices within schools by offering scholarships and grants. And so here's Amy. She's going to talk about empowering teachers for our three Enlighten Minutes. Hi, my name is Amy Valentine, and these are my three Enlighten Minutes. I live in Castle Rock, Colorado, a suburb just south of Denver. Originally, I'm from a small town called Lewiston, located in the northwest point of the great state of New York, just outside of Niagara Falls. So I run Future of School, which is a public charity that's focused on increasing access that both teachers and students have to innovative practices in their classrooms. So we give scholarships to kids, grants to educators, we publish impact reports, and we also host convenings to bring together people that want to talk about transforming their classroom and bringing it into a new realm. Today I'm going to talk to you about the goals of future of school to lead the way in reimagining what school looks like. To date, our nonprofit has given away nearly $2 million through grant-making programs. Our number one goal is to elevating the voices and experiences of students and teachers, the people who matter most in schools. Teachers are the most important factor in a child's educational experience. I know this, I've lived this, and my most cherished roles I've had have been teaching in, in a variety of different classrooms and working with students directly. Education has always been at my heart center, both personally and professionally. I was thinking about the most influential people in my life and three individuals come to mind. Senior Hogan, my high school Spanish teacher, he had this uncanny ability to bring content to life, to empower me to take ownership of my education. And he is the reason why I completed my master of arts in Spanish and went on to teach Spanish. In my graduate program, Professor Burton, he was a mentor and guide in my first teaching role. What I learned from him was that humor has an important place in the classroom and it can really help you connect with your students. And my father, the biggest teacher of all in my life. Now he did not have a teaching license, but he inspired me to know that there's a teacher inside of every one of us. I believe that learning is at the core of the human spirit and that there really is great reward in that concept, both individually and collectively. Learning happens anywhere, anytime, and never have we seen that or lived that more than we have today. Currently, we're thriving and surviving in remote learning environments, which could also be considered to many as crisis schooling. The exciting part of where we are today, even though there's a lot of challenges with it, is that we are all participating in the evolution of our schools to the future in, the, in real time right now. So as teachers and educators are adapting new ways of teaching and kids are logging on from their homes and parents are guiding them, it is a, it's a big shift, but it's one that um, we have seen at Future of School. We've seen it through teachers innovating in their classrooms and through students taking college courses online in high school and you know each different pathway it has been different and we're at a place right now where we really do need to come together and support the role of the teacher in any classroom and make sure students have what they need 
for their learning journeys. So what are the future plans for Future of School? We plan to continue to give even more scholarships to students, more grants to teachers, so we can show what is possible when those who matter the most embrace their entrepreneurial spirit. It is my professional goal to grow our organization to five times our current size so that we can do more for those who matter the most, which are the students and the teachers. Please join us as we evolve into the Make-A-Wish Foundation of the education sector to make the hopes and dreams of teachers and students come true. And we know that's possible because we've been doing it. We want to do it for more. And now back to you, Shay and Pav. And those were our three enlightened minutes. Amy Valentine is very active in the, the Twitterverse, and she offers a lot of uh, webinars and she offers a chat so you can really connect with her on Twitterverse, get to know more about her organization and the great work she's doing. She is a huge advocate for teachers and learning. And so that three enlightened minutes was great. Honestly, I, I deal with the buttons. I <laughs> You stay with the mic. Uh, Jim guy, don't. Just the blue button. That's it. Just a bum bum bum. I like the crickets in that purple. Who? When did you even start to look at that board? Have any idea you could pull that out? I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Amy, for the three enlightened minutes. You've been a huge beacon in our in our Twitter lives in the last couple of weeks. And so we appreciate that so much. Let's get back into our topic on... Um, you keep talking. I'm going to start playing around with these buttons. Don't you I dare push one of those buttons while I'm speaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I won't. <laughs> the buttons are for Jim Guy. Um all right. So yes, perseverance. And, you know, we talked about how it can be very difficult to push through some of our struggles uh, through distance learning right now, you know, in our regular teaching as well. But right now, I feel like we're we're really trying to climb out of that, that big valley that we found ourselves in and we're I pushing cut, through. I'll cut you off because teachers are are really good at their job. Yes. But they're, they're typically also very controlling. Even when they're not in control, they're still in control of the situation in which they decide not to be in control in, if you're thinking of student agency. But yeah. we still have such a grasp of our surroundings and our environment. So we're very comfortable to allow students agency when we know we can bring it in, yes. we can draw it in when we need to. In this world, we, we've, we've lost that. We don't feel like we're in control of the learning environment at all. No, there, there is no control. You can't have control over it because you don't have control of the environment. And therefore, it's, it's really difficult for you to be able to figure out where we need to go and what we need to do to rein everybody in. You know, one of the biggest feedbacks that I've gotten from my students is I need more explanation. And, you know, it's, it's difficult because when you're in the classroom, you can gauge understanding by looking at a student. It's like, I can tell that you didn't understand what I was just talking about. So I'm going to try explaining it in a different way. That's really difficult when you don't have students in front of you and they're not there together. Everybody is separate and everybody is understanding what you are describing in, in their own particular way. And therefore that can become that disengagement, that disconnection from the teacher. And then also from each other that really hinders progress. And so, you know, we are definitely better together. And I feel like that has been one of my biggest areas of concern with regards to, um, getting everybody on board is everybody is understanding things in a different way. And therefore there's a huge disconnect. I have a ridiculous anecdotal story because that's how I, you know, 
synergize my understanding. And you talked about when I see, when I can see and feel the sense of the room, I know if I need to go over things. I know if I need to say something again in another language, another language, not, not from the gym guy, just one language. <laughs> just one language. That's all I got, kitties. <laughs> uh, although we live in a very, we teach in a very diverse community. Languages is all kinds of different languages and nuances to, to learn and pick up on. But when you were telling that story, I started to think about the podcast for a second because I often will podcast the same way I teach, but all of a sudden when I podcast, I'm just looking at the computer screen and just hoping it doesn't crash. <laughs> but I don't have any feedback, so I tend to podcast the same way I teach. So I'll repeat things a couple of different times when I don't know if the audience needs that or not. When I'm teaching, I know if the if the kids need me to say it in a different way or two. And I only picked up on this because my mother who listens to the podcast, and that's, you know, that's how we break the barrier for how many listens we get. You just dial in all your family members, they start listening. But she said, you know, you repeat things too much. And I said, oh, oh, that's that's the teacher in me. But without the social cues to know to repeat, I realized that when I podcast, I use the same teacher tactics. Yeah. I repeat and I say things I tell my mom. I said, mom, this, this is what teachers do. You can't just say things once and think every kid has absorbed every bit of knowledge that you have just <laughs> spoken. You get into the habits of repeating yourself. So I think of, you know, my mother, her critiquing the episode was, you know, Glenn Gould, Glenn Gould. And then she said, you just repeat yourself too much. Well, if you were looking for that kind of feedback, I could have told you that after the first episode. I didn't know <laughs> <laughs> don't, I, don't. I, I'm going to reach over to the panel. I'm going to push a button. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> this message will self-destruct yeah. in 10 seconds. <laughs> or this episode will self-destruct no, 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 in 10 no. seconds. This is a great episode. We don't need to self-destruct. No, but you know what? It's true. You're right. Um, it's a great anecdote. And it is, we, we, we speak in in the same way on a podcast as we normally would in the classroom. And that's just because that's how we speak. That's That's what our personalities have become. I'm slower on the podcast just by <laughs> like minutely slower so no it's it's fantastic we're doing great um let's let's talk a little bit about the strategies that we wanted to discuss and you know when persevering we have to really consider how are we going to be able to do this now moving forward and uh you know something that we talked about this morning during the drive was one of the biggest things in regards to feedback um, in regards to moving forward, in regards to growing ourselves and evolving is the supports. And so, you know, we could not move forward as educators, as individuals, as podcasters, as radio hosts without the support of our colleagues and our peers. And that has been instrumental for us. And so that would probably be our number one strategy for being able to persevere and show resilience. You have to build your supports. You have to build those networks. You have to build those relationships. They can be with people. They can be with programs. They can be on Twitter. But you certainly have to build those supports. But also, you have to be a supporter. Mm -hmm. You have to be out there helping people, engaging with people. Often the best way to be to get support is always to ask people, how can I support you first? How can I help you out? And then the support isn't a pyramid of power. It's just, it's a circular. It's just back and forth. We constantly support each other because we're going to have different areas in which we are the experts in. So supporting is key. Getting support is key. Sometimes you have to do things alone, but often you don't. You can find those supports. Sometimes though, you can't just rely in the moment to, to seek out a support. Supports are something you sort of have to nurture 
all the way through. You have to build those relationships. You have to make those connections so that when you do need it, they're there and they're available for you and you won't have that frustration. So supporting is essential. Getting supports is essential for sure. Yeah, you um, you know, we often do things alone. But the point that we're trying to make is we don't have to. And yes, showing that you are there for somebody as support is just as important as you being able to access those supports as well. And so, you know, it's it's oftentimes, you know, you don't need to. You don't need to look out. You can you can do everything on your own, but once in a while when it comes to persevering, when it comes to being able to push through some of these uh, difficult moments, it is so beneficial to be able to reach out to someone to connect and to say, you know what, I'm going through this little bit of an obstacle right now. Um, can you help me through it? And oftentimes, as we've found, people have been through these obstacles already, and they can really offer us some good strategies to be able to push through. I know that I've been able to be that support for some of my colleagues and peers where some people might be getting stuck. Um, and they may not even know why they're getting stuck. Sometimes having that additional perspective, even, you know, did you try this? Oh, I didn't think about trying this. Oh, thank you for pointing that out to me. It's just that, that reflection bit, you know, sometimes we just need that to be able to take a look at our practice in a different light in a different way, a different perspective to be able to say, oh, okay, this is maybe where I made a mistake and I didn't realize it on my own, but it really helped to get somebody else to help me through that. We got supports. We, we think it's supports. the big one. Yeah. Got two more and, mm-hmm. and one sort of lends itself to the other, but goal setting, mm-hmm. have goals, small goals, obtainable goals, things that you can act upon consistently and you can build up your social emotional when you feel good, when you've achieved them. Having those clear, concise, small goals are important. So for me, I use that example of learning the Screencastify. That was a small little goal. I reached out to my support. I got the support. I learned how to use it. I've embedded it in my lessons. So certainly having a really good um, means of setting very specific, very obtainable goals is a great way of persevering. It just helps you on that path. Yeah, the goals, the goals are big. And, you know, you mentioned small goals, but sometimes having a big why, you know, your purpose, your something that drives you to be doing what you're doing. And you might have a big goal in mind, right? If you, if you've always wanted to embrace blended learning as an educator, this is a great opportunity for you to look at, you know, all of the hurdles that you might be going through, all of these obstacles that keep getting in your way. Keep looking at the fact that, you know, it was once your big goal to be a an effective teacher using blended learning. So all of these different online resources that are now available to us, even if we don't get them right away, even if they're difficult to understand, keep thinking to yourself, all of these different obstacles that I'm experiencing are, are really helping me to push through and to grow as an educator. Even the difficult moments are helping me grow. And therefore, you're, you're building yourself up to your big goals as well. I think you made a great connection there is that small goals and big goals aren't independent items. They're mm. inherently connected. And, and as we as teachers, we often build from the end and build back or we use our calendar and we build what's the final destination. We work backwards. It's the same thing here. Having that big, great goal helps us define all the little small goals we want along the way. The same way we unit plan, we know the end goal. Or same way if we're even planning a yearbook or a video for this remote learning at the end. I start with when my due date is and I work backwards. So you're right. Those big goals do connect to those 
small goals and, and having those small consistent goals allow us to move forward. My last one here is just sort of a mindset, understanding that as we persevere, there's still going to be setbacks. We always look for linear paths. We always look for clear indicators of success. But in moving forward, you're going to have those detours. You're going to have those setbacks. If I use the screencastify, yeah, I've learned it. But the first few were frustrating. I was like, I'm just going to video on my phone. I can't do this. You have to under, you just have the mindset and the appreciation that as you set small goals or you set big goals and as you move forward, you're still going to deviate. You're still going to have those struggles. And, and that's essential to learning or sort of to persevering is understanding. It's like my bank, my money in the bank. It might be going up. My home is going up. But ultimately, it's going up and down, up and down as it goes up. And it's yeah. the same way as I persevere through something. On a daily basis, I might have that setback. I may have that class lesson that goes bad. But on the overall, I'm still on the up. So yeah. anticipate struggles. Yeah, and and I'll connect that right back to the very beginning of the episode where I talked about the imagery of, you know, climbing the mountain, getting out of the valleys. Um, You know, even while you're getting out of that valley, there are going to be peaks and there's going to be dips along the way. And so it is an upward climb. So we have to remember that it is an upward climb. It is going to be difficult. Upward is always harder to, to do than the downhill. So um, we are going to experience struggles around along the way, but those struggles are helping us grow. They are helping us evolve. And that's something that we need to remember. And so the mindset part is key. Just remembering that through all of this, we are growing as educators um, and, and, and as learners of our field, because we, we will never stop learning about pedagogies and new ways and our best practices as well. Don't call it a comeback. It's not a comeback. We're going to persevere. And our three sort of the swag bag of the episode, have goals, connect those small goals to your big goals, anticipate issues and bumps along the way, and seek support and be a supporter. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think we've got this uh, episode in the bag. It's wrapped up and uh, we'll finish off with our... uh, if, with our words of wisdom here. I think I'm done, eh? Like, I want to start playing around with these buttons on this panel, see what I can pull out next week. Okay, sounds good. Let's let's try a few of those on the way out. But <laughs> in the meantime, remember to inspire, don't require. Always be a humble servant. And education never, never dies. dies. You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. Written, performed and produced by Che Cheney and Pav Wanda in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Che and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also, check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Che and Pav next week, because there's always something to talk about in the staff room.